0: So when I asked the Lord what he wanted me to speak on tonight, um, I heard him say this. He said, the people need encouragement. They need some Holy Ghost stories. They need some reminders of his goodness, of his miracle working power for those that will trust him. So turn with me in the word tonight to 1 Peter 2.6. 1 Peter 2.6. Glory to God. And it says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Now if you look in the New American Standard, it actually says, um, He that believeth on him, the Lord Jesus, shall not be disappointed. Yeah, And that makes it a lot clearer for us, I think, than the word confounded. I don't think a lot of us use that word. Maybe some of you do. I know that I don't. Not much anyway. But we're not going to be disappointed. He that believeth on him shall not be disappointed. And maybe you don't consider yourself a person that's prone to disappointment, right? Maybe you just, you think you're trucking along, you think I'm doing good. But uh, disappointment has a way sometimes of lodging in our hearts, and we don't even know it's there. It's disillusionment. It's running up against the same mountain and feeling like nothing's moving. And um, human nature is to get disappointed. It is. It is to get disappointed after we've exerted some effort anyway, right? Right. But most Christians never go on to get total victory in an area because at some point they get disappointed. We're gonna talk about that tonight and we wanna get disappointment out of our hearts, the roots of it out of our hearts. We wanna know how to work with God because God is a restorer and uh, he has an amazing way of bringing things back around. Even if there's been loss, he has a way of reconstructing things. Amen. But he can't do it if we don't believe him for it. That's right. If we're, our eyes are on the loss, if our eyes are on certain circumstances or that an answer hasn't come in a certain area, we can settle into disappointment. And if we do, we're not going to be able to push through and get the answer that God wants us to have. Sometimes people don't realize it consciously, but deep down their disappointments are actually disappointments with God. That he let them down or didn't come through for them in an area. I know myself in different circumstances, you're going, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then you hit that day or that time and you just feel like you ever heard yourself saying, well, God, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this and I've done that. What are we saying? It's not that we can't have healthy conversations with the Lord, but really underneath a conversation that sounds like that, we're saying, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. That's what we're saying. That's what we're feeling, right? Well, what does God have to say about it? What does he have to say about disappointment in his word? Matthew 1, sorry, Matthew 11, 1 to 6. Let's go there. Matthew 11, 1 to 6. To six, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John the Baptist had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? This is John the Baptist. This is the one that was raised with the whole spirit point of his life and his call, proclaiming life. that Jesus yeah. Yeah. is the Messiah, Jesus is the one that they're looking for. Yeah. And so this question seems, if you, if you don't stop for a moment, you'll skip over it, but that question says a lot about where John the Baptist was at that time when he sent his yeah. disciples to question Jesus. In other words, are you who I said you were? Are you the one that I proclaimed you to be? Yeah. It's a very serious question. Jesus answered and said unto them, these disciples, go and show John again. Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And what, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, John, I'm doing everything that is proof to you of who I am. Everything I said I would do, I'm doing it, but you're offended. Yeah. That's what Jesus is saying. Yeah. He's saying you're offended, but blessed is the one who's not offended mm-hmm. in me. Uh-huh. And so I haven't written it here. And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me is another um, way of saying it. I don't think we think of it like we're stumbling over Jesus or we're stumbling over the word. But disappointment is stumbling over the word. It's stumbling over um, promises that you're waiting to, to have come to pass in your life. Um, it's, it's a sense of letting go of faith. And uh, some faith, you, you just, you know, you have your faith on things and it doesn't take a long time. But there's other things where um, you're going to have to get the disappointment out of your heart. Because when you're disappointed, you let go. Yeah. Yeah. You become vague. You become despondent. Yeah. You let go enough that really it's, uh, God can't really move in that area for you. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think that we're forced to give up in an area. But as long as you're breathing air, you're never forced to give up in any area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. As a born-again, blood-bought child of God, you do not have the right to prescribe to hopelessness in any area. It is a stealer, it is a killer, and we all know how it feels. We all know that it comes, and there's plenty of proof when it comes as to why we entertain it. And there's pressure that comes for us to entertain it. Severe pressure, you have those days sometimes where it's not five things, it feels like everything is going wrong. And in those days, there has to be something on the inside of you that knows what to say, that knows how to get down in your spirit, that knows how to stay out of disappointment and stay in faith. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight, okay? So we've got John the Baptist who's offended. Now, I don't ever want to add to scripture. I don't know, um, I don't know how much you know, he fulfilled or didn't fulfill. I know much of it he fulfilled. Uh, but I do know that, um, if you're offended with Jesus, I'm not saying that John the Baptist was going to come out of the prison house or that he wasn't going to be martyred. I'm not saying that. I don't know that, but I'm saying at the crux of his life, when he needed a move of God the most and he was in prison, that was a very dark day. And I'm sure out of that darkness, that's where those questionings, that's where that resentment came from. When you have a call when you're paving the way for the glory of God to come through the Messiah, and you have a revelation that this is the Messiah, and you send people of yours yeah. to him to question him face to face, a lot has gone on in that prison cell, let me tell you. And none of us have been there. You know, we're not, a, we're not about to be beheaded in a, a prison cell, so I, I, I don't mean it in a condescending way. I'm just saying... Um, you can't let yourself get into disappointment. It's dangerous. Where you are might be uncomfortable, but it's better just to contend. Because what you let go of and what you enter into if you don't contend is dangerous. It's dangerous. And we want to to stay in faith even if it hurts. Mm -hmm. And we want to feed our faith. And we don't have to feel so good about it all the time, but we stay and we stay the course. And uh, the fight of faith, is. It is it, there's, there's work to it. Yes. Yes, there, there is work is. to it. Yes. Yes. And sometimes it's real easy, and sometimes you've got to set aside time. Uh, there's something that I'm praying for right now, and uh, it looks impossible. It looks impossible. I've been praying about it for some time, and as I was praying in the Spirit this week, I heard the Lord say, this is what he said. He said, would it be so hard to set aside a day every week, just to spend time praying in tongues about that. He said, because you are lifting that up to me, but there's things I wanna show you, but I need, I need your time. And so I thought, well, yes, Lord, that makes sense to me. Sometimes we're scattered, even in our prayer life. We hit it a little bit, but, but sometimes when things are withstanding us, we need to take the time to be focused and to focus on it until those walls come down in that place because the scriptures do say that if we're in faith, nothing shall be impossible to us, nothing. And uh, so if these things look impossible, I'm sure Goliath looked impossible. Mm -hmm. I love that God put that story in the word. That is a perfect story and analogy and a picture of something David couldn't do. But David knew who he was. And so Goliath didn't look like he was gonna come down that day, that was like I think the 40th day Or 40 days he'd been out harassing them. And they were all afraid. And uh, in the natural, they had every right to be afraid. In the natural, every right to be afraid. But David was a spiritual young kid. He was spiritual. He knew the presence of God. And so um, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Uh, We're not to enter into disappointment if our answer hasn't come yet. But we rally the troops, we, we gather ourselves together, and we look at the word, and we see what it actually says. And I like to say it this way, we kick at the wall until it falls down. Amen. Amen. And not everything comes overnight. Some things you have to gain skills. And it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord, but there are forces arrayed against you. And disappointment is a strong force uh, arrayed against you because you know, God is the one that's supposed to give you your answers, right? So if you're disappointed with him, where do you go from there? You, you tuck it away in a little section of your heart and visit it from time to time. And if you're like most people, you know, when you get to critical mass, you complain about it for a while. And then you have to go back and repent for complaining about it. You know what I mean? Uh, but we, we have, there's another way. And I want to I wanna teach you about that tonight. Okay, First Peter 2, 6 to 8, it says, For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I'm reading that Scripture again. I lay in Zion a, a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed so if you believe in him you won't be disappointed that's what the scripture says i believe that's literal if you believe if you believe and you keep believing even if it looks impossible yeah the word says that if you believe in him, you will not be disappointed. He will come through for you. Amen. He will turn things around. He will resituate things, but you have to trust him. Amen. And if there's uh, doubt, non-belief and hurt on your faith, you've got to take, you've got to dust it off in that area and you've got to take it out and you've got to contend with the Lord for it. Now he's yeah. not keeping it from you, but when you have fatigue in an area, you need the word to wash you till you're like a little baby again, like you're fresh. Yeah. Because you've gotten tired and you've gotten discouraged in an area. So if you do not trust in him, you will be disappointed. Making Jesus the rock, a rock of stumbling. And what you will not think of ourselves, when we think of that verse, I think we think of unbelievers. Or the Jews at that time, he, they did not consider Jesus their Messiah. He was a stumbling block to them. But, you know, if you're looking at the Word and the Word hasn't manifested for you in an area and you allow yourself to become disappointed, you know, the very Word that you took a hold of can be a, very, a source of great aggravation to you. It shouldn't be. It should never be. But I'm saying when there's pressure applied, that's your answer. Yes. I'm talking about human nature fighting against the power that's in the Word of God and uh and and just it becoming something where you either can't talk about it or you you have every answer in the book about how you did everything that should have been done and still the answer hasn't come but you need the water of the word to wash you make you like a little child in that area again and you need to reach out and just say lord i need you to teach me in this area i need you to teach me as if for the very first time and refresh this area of my heart make me tender Like a child and show me where I'm missing it or or help me and give me the the strength and the faith to get in there. But I'm not going to lose my faith on this again. I'm going to contend. I'm going to keep my trust in you. And I'm going to protect my heart and I refuse to be disappointed. Okay? Anytime disappointment is allowed in, we get offended and we begin to stumble. We do. We get offended with the word. It seems too hard or it seems to this or to that. It is choosing not to be disappointed that keeps us anchored in trust. You notice I said it's got nothing to do with feelings. Feelings come and go. Your feelings will come around. But it's a choice that keeps us anchored in trust. And trust is what keeps us from stumbling. You know, Joseph, when he was cast into the pit and then later on, you know, he was in Potiphar's house and then he was in the prison. Um, He hated those days. Sure he did. We don't need the word to spell that out. He's in bondage. He's in the worst part of his life. Complete servitude, no freedom. Nobody wants that. We don't need that written out in the scripture for us to know that that was not a very pleasant time in his life. But he kept trusting God. It didn't look like it was going to happen, yeah. and he kept trusting God, and what brought him out was revelation. It was a revelation gift. Remember, he interpreted the dreams, yeah. and then later on, it got to, you know, Pharaoh, but that was a gift of God that allowed him to translate those, to interpret those dreams, and it was revelation and st- Staying close with God that got him out of a deep pit where nobody... How in the world was he supposed to get out of the prisons of Egypt? I mean, it didn't look like it was working. It's great if you get a promotion, but you're still in prison. But he trusted God. The Word says that he trusted God. And it was the revelation. It was that connection with God when it looked over a sustained period of time. Where he protected that revelation. He protected his relationship with God through all of that disappointment. No young man that I know, or any young woman, sees their life as a great success being cast in the opposite direction from what they were born for. I mean, he's getting revelations, he's getting dreams from God about him being exalted and others bowing down. He knows it's God. He doesn't know everything about God, but he knows it's God. Something in those dreams touched him. It says that his father pondered it in his heart. Like he knew something was up, but he he could never have anticipated the hell on earth he was going to go through. He couldn't have, but he didn't turn his back on God. And it was that refusal to turn his back and stay mired in disappointment and just he kept this connection with God. And one day, God moved and it yanked him out of there. Oh, but I mean, in what, what a way. Yeah. But listen, when God took Joseph out of the prison, it was payback time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. God did not put Joseph in that prison. Yeah. So Circumstances, betrayal, great betrayal. Yes, yes. When you read about how Joseph whipped when he saw his brothers, can you imagine the pain? He feels exaltation and excitement and bitterness of heart yep. because these are the very ones that, that tried to kill him. And then somehow he got past it. It was God with his hand on his life. But these very brothers were going, this is his family unit. The very ones that were meant to defend him hated him despised him, took great pleasure in wrecking his life, wanted to end his life. And then they backed down because of one of the brothers. And so it didn't look like it was going anywhere. And all of this emotion when he sees them. But Joseph knew God's my only hope and I'm going to cling to him. God's my hope and I'm going to cling to him. God talks I'm going to, and I'm going to cling to him. And all of us come from different stations in life. But God is the rock. Amen. And if we'll cling to him, if you're disappointed today, not necessarily in him but in the circumstances, it says if you put your trust in God, which is today, that's current, that's present, you will not be, which is future, you will not be disappointed. Amen. So if you put your trust in him today, it might look bad today. It might feel bad today. It might feel gross today. But if something in you says, I'm going to trust God, I will not be disappointed. If I put my trust in God, I will not be disappointed. 1 Peter 2 verse 6 says, this is literal. This is literal. If I put my trust in God, that's present. That's right now with all the circumstances around me. I will not be disappointed. That's future. So whatever it takes... For God to turn it around. That's right. Some of you have been believing for family members for 20 years, 30 years, and more. But he who puts his trust in God yes. will not be disappointed. Yes. 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 You might not feel great today, but the word says if you, that trust is, the, is faith. That's, that's the words coming out of your mouth when you're contending with what you can see that is a disappointment. But don't be disappointed in God. Trust in God, the word says, and you won't be disappointed. He will turn it around. He will keep his hand on your life. He will keep his hand with you just like he did with Joseph. He will make sure that no harm comes to you. He will make sure that you make it up out of that pit if you refuse to lay down your trust and wallow in disappointment. He will stay with you and he will cause it to come to pass. He will rearrange it, he will make a new reality. If something has been destroyed, he he can replace it. He can replace it. He can replace it. He really can. Anytime disappointment is allowed in, we get offended, begin to stumble. That's where we have to make a choice. Right. We can't allow it by a choice of our will. We have to pull ourselves out of that. It's dangerous for us. Past the new birth, if we do not learn to trust God in every area of life, we will eventually at some point become discouraged. You know, I was, I was thinking of this, you know, like even if, if you think about it, even marriage is a good example of this. So the young ones that aren't married yet, Don't understand that even though God puts you together, you got things to work on. And in marriage, no one is more important to you than your spouse. They actually have the most power to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Without intention even. Because you're vulnerable to them. But marriage is, again, this is this platform where if you trust in God, you won't be disappointed. You know, as wonderful as it is to be connected with someone and to Mm -hmm. be in love with someone... They're not your everything. Jesus is your everything. You get to enjoy the path. And if there's things you don't enjoy, you get to go through the throne room. Because it says if you trust in God, you won't be disappointed. If you, there's, we love one another. But all of us, I think, have things that we'd like to change about ourselves or change in a marriage or change in a relationship. If it's not a marriage, that's troubling you. But if we trust in God, we can come out of it. We can change things. We can have things turned for us. Because the word says it. And it doesn't matter if someone's out in front of you uh, giving you the perfect example of how they got out. You've got the word That's on right. it. It doesn't matter if you have to do it all by yourself. Or if you're the first one in your family or you're the first one amongst your friends. You've got scripture on it. This says if you trust in God and refuse to turn loose of it. Refuse that if it's taking time, but you refuse to turn loose of it. The word says, you can take that that verse into the throne room. Do you understand me? Father, you said, if I trust you, if I trust you with this, I don't know how you're gonna change it. If I trust you with this, I won't be disappointed. And I'm coming to you based on the integrity of your word. And I know that the Lord loves that. He loves that when we take him at his word, why? Because you've got to go against all your senses sometimes. All the circumstances. You could be sitting there crying from the pressure of something. And you can sit there and go, I don't care. I'm going to trust you in this. Because it says, if I do, I will not be disappointed. I won't be confounded. Why? It's for those that will but continue to believe. That's where God, over time, can begin to shape your life into something that if you had allowed yourself to just let it go, get disappointed, you wouldn't have gotten your answer. God won't leave you, but he can't help you there. He can't. Because the word, you're stumbling over it. Instead of seeing light, you're, you're seeing a non-answer in that area. You're, you're excusing it. You're excusing yourself. You're doing something where that word can't bring the light and the life that it's supposed to bring. God can't bring you revelation in that area. Because you've let it go. And the devil can't make us let go of God's word. We can feel tremendous pressure, but he cannot take the word out of us. We have to surrender it for him to take it out of us. John 6, 53 proves this point perfectly, okay? It says, Jesus told his followers that unless they were willing to eat his flesh and drink his blood, they would have no life in them. But they didn't understand. And the ones that left... We're unwilling to trust him. They've just seen all that they need to see Mm -hmm. to know who he is. But in one phrase that he says that they don't understand, and you understand, they love everything he's doing. This amazing person they're following around. But the second that he said something that rubbed them the wrong way that they didn't understand, it was disturbing to them. They left. Are we going to be like that? When we have a situation and we read a verse and somehow the application of that verse just doesn't, could be the love walk. How do I, how do I take that verse with the love walk and apply it to this? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit will help you do it, but you can't, you can't give it a pat answer. You've got to stay with God until he works and breaks something open. For you that your deliverance comes. Yeah. And I think we quit. We quit, so, we quit easily in certain areas. Some areas we don't. But I'm here to encourage you. I, I don't quit in any area where you've not been able to see an answer through. I don't care if it takes a miracle. I don't care if it takes a creative miracle. Let God take you in the school of the Spirit. Because He's got an answer for it. The Word says He does. And if the Word says that He does, that's good enough for us. Because we're believers, amen. amen. We're believers. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul quoted this, Romans ten, eleven. For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him, again, will not be disappointed. That's another reference. Psalm 22, 5 says it too. In thee they trusted and were not disappointed. It says it all through the words. This exact sentence. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Right? So you'll have to embed this scripture down into your spirit. No, if I trust in the Lord, I shall not be disappointed. I shall not be disappointed. I shall not be disappointed. (laughs) Shall not. I won't be. I can't be because I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you. I can't do it, but you can. And I need you to do it. Have you ever said, Lord, I do trust you? But sometimes the word looks like it's not working and I get confused and even disappointed. But that doesn't mean I'm not trusting you. But trust and disappointment are exact opposites. You can feel disappointment and not receive it. You can feel it slam into you and refuse to entertain it. You really can Just as faith and fear are opposites and cannot both be chosen to operate in simultaneously, so trust and disappointment cannot either. Those who, and I said this before, I'll say it again, those who trust, present tense, will not be disappointed, future tense. Sometimes there's time in there. This is a promise with a condition. Meaning if we trust and continue in trust and continue in trust and contend and continue in trust every single time, we won't be disappointed. Right. But opportunities for disappointment will present themselves, and many times rather forcefully. We know that. You ever had something slam into you, it just steals the breath right out of you. I mean, there's, it just, it's like a missile. There's fear, there's this, there's that. But you have choices to make. You can choose in that moment. And go on a journey with God and don't let go. Don't let go. Temptations will come to doubt God, but we don't have to take them. We don't. When the opportunities come, the ball is in our court. It really is. It really is. It really is. The, the more you walk with God and the more you stop listing just emotions and turn them away, dial them down, and look down to your spirit, man, that's where your strength arises from. That's the walk of the spirit. They can't move you. They don't move you in anything. Yeah. Your roots start going, re- start going down. You stop panicking about things. You start speaking to things. And of course, many times when you're speaking, it looks like there's no way that the words that I'm saying can change that. It might change that, but not that. Like that's impossible. And some things, it's like they're a done deal. They're already finished. They're done. But God says that if you will contend, if you'll trust him, you'll speak the word. When it looks like there's no light, no light, you're in a valley. You're in a valley, the shadow of death in that area. When it looks like there's no light, God says, if you will trust him, he will stand on his word. He will do it for you. He will change it. He will do something supernatural to change it. He will it's a decision not to fall into disappointment it really is we have to continue to trust God no matter what things look like at the moment because that trust means a time will come when you truly are not disappointed as he keeps his word to you sometimes in very mysterious ways look we came into this year and for some people whatever industry they were in you know they didn't feel it or they did okay some people did better i think amazon did better <laughs> but others got hit very hard depending on what the industry was but do you know it's not over till it's over there's power in your mouth to turn it i didn't say there's power in all your skills to figure it out and that's that's fine if you want to use your mind along with it that's good but but with your when your spirit's leading, like you, you have the ability to say to this season, uh, it's going to turn out way better for me than before I went into it. Why? Because I say so. Why? Because I trust in God. And if I trust in God today, I'm trying to get this in your, you know, in your mind. If I trust in him today, I won't be disappointed tomorrow. Why? Because he's at work behind the scenes. And then you have to say, you have to speak out of that place of trust saying, God, not only am I going to come out of this with no loss, I'm going to have supernatural increase, because I say so, because you're working behind the scenes, and like I said, when you go in with that verse, and you say, Father, Father, you said, if I trust you, yeah, I feel all kinds of things, but you know I'm trusting you, I'm trying, I can feel the wind whipping past my ears, but I'm hanging on to you and I'm declaring I will not be disappointed. I will not suffer loss. I will not suffer loss in any area. You have supernatural ways of causing me to rise. And those are the conversations that I'm telling you cause a whirlwind of the spirit of God. You stick to something like that. You refuse to let it go. God will do miraculous things for you and that you will grow in your faith and you will grow in your tenacity because God's people are the most tenacious people on this planet. We've got no reason whatsoever to ever let go. And we have every promise from a God who's very, very warrior like he's warrior like. He's warrior-like. He talks about sending in the angels and setting ambushments in the Old Testament. And the enemy killed, turned, and, turned on each other and killed themselves. Utterly impossible. But because the people, in whatever the context is, did exactly what he said, he did supernatural things. So I'm telling you, according to the word, trust in the Lord and you won't be disappointed. And don't you dare let go of anything. You can tend. Don't let it go. Well, it looks like it's burned to the ground. So what? I don't care if it's an investment you lost in. I don't care if it's a house you thought you should have bought, or businesses that slipped through your fingers, or a marriage that didn't go well. I don't care what, I don't care. God has a bright future for you. God has a way of turning things around. Listen, Dr. Dufresne never intended. I'm going through a divorce. And look how God turned it around. Got Pastor Nancy. Do you know that when he was walking through that valley of the shadow of death, he had no idea how God would turn it around and give him a jewel like that? Give him more children? Give him a spiritual woman with a call on her life? Woo! He didn't let go. He didn't let go. There are people, and we're, listen, we're not, being condescending. We know pain makes people let go, but I'm here to tell you, don't let go. Don't let go. Trust in God. Don't overcomplicate it. Just be stout and steadfast. Don't let go of your answers and God will turn it around for you. Hallelujah. Trusting is the prere- prerequisite before we see the outcome. So how can you know if you are operating in trust? Well, if you find yourself uh, sinking in disappointment and discouragement, I'm saying it hits you, but you entertain it. You have, you lose a day. You lose a week. The phone calls reflect it. The, the sleep schedule reflects it. The eating reflects it. The conversations with friends, the moping, the lack of attire. I don't care. I don't, listen, don't entertain it. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it. You don't have to participate. That's right. You don't. You don't. You keep yourself in trust in God, and it's a decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's your barometer, that you don't allow yourself to sink in disappointment or mistrust. Mm -hmm. You can feel it and decide not to participate in it. Let's go to James 1, 2 to 13. James chapter 1, 2 to 13. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Because life is full of them. Mm -hmm. And this is your answer to how to get out. That's right. This is how to get out. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. What does patience do? It makes you hold on. Yeah. Yep. You refuse to quit. You're patient, but your faith is active. That's right. But let patience have her perfect work. That ye why 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 is your patience gonna hang in there? Why is it going to work? So that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If there's segments of your life that are falling apart, that are disjointed, that are, uh, that are lacking, <laughs> you're wanting. But he's saying patience with your faith after something means you're, you're not going to want for anything. But do you notice that when you're ha- using your faith, you feel the want? Yeah. Like the want's there. There's not enough. There's this. There's that. What's he talking about? A spiritual principle that he's going to turn it around and you will, when it all clues up, be wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He he won't scorn you for it. He won't smack your hands because you're not in the fullest of knowledge. You kidding me? He's longing to give you wisdom. Remember what the word says in Ephesians 1? Paul is contending for these churches and he's saying, I cease not to make mention of you in my prayers that God would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Do you think that when you go into the throne room needing knowledge that he's gruff with you? He says he doesn't upbraid you. He doesn't scorn you. He doesn't rebuke you because you don't know enough yet. He's there to give you answers. But listen to this. It shall be given him, but, and here's the wisdom of the Lord, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. This is what we're talking about tonight. Contending and keeping on something and not wavering, not wallowing. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That's torment. Back and forth, up and down, no stability. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And that is the perfect picture of the opposite of faith. It's being tossed to and through. And God says, no, I give you faith to keep you steadfast. I give you the words to say. I tell you my nature. I tell you my love for you. Now stay the course. Stay the course. Don't let go. Don't make trust an emotion. Don't try to muster up. I feel like I trust you, God. No, it's a decision. Say it. I trust you, God. I trust you. I, tr- I feel lots of things, but I trust you. I'm saying it. I choose. I choose. I choose to trust you. I don't care how big the waves are. I don't care what it looks like. I'm choosing to trust you. Amen. And that's enough. That's enough. Make a definite intentional decision of your will and speak in line with it. And put it in his hands, leaving the rest to him because trust is a decision. You could say this. I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care what my reasoning ability is dictating to me. I don't care if it looks like you didn't come through. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what negative reports come down the pike. I don't care what my emotions are dictating because they will try to dictate, but that's not the real you. Your spirit man is the real you. I have my mind made up that I am going to steadfastly trust what you have said. I will be obedient to do what you tell me to do. I will make your word my final authority. And then will I rest in you. When feelings of disappointment try to crowd in, I will make that my warning signal. Oh, okay. And I will stop and renew my choice my choice to trust in you. Then Lord, the rest is up to you. And it is, it is. Thank God you don't have to feel trust. This is an act of your will, not of your emotions. It's based on God's promises. Here is a statement the Lord gave a female minister that I admire. She was to say it out loud every time she was faced with an opportunity to be disappointed. This is what she would say. Lord, in this particular situation, and she would name it, I choose to trust you. She said that somehow just saying it out loud kicks the whole process into gear and helps release that trust. She said, thoughts come, sorry, I'm saying this. Thoughts come, don't entertain the what-if thoughts. Once you open up your mind's door to think that maybe God's word doesn't work every time, out goes the trust and in comes the disappointment. Then the rock of God's word becomes a stumbling block because you believe something different than what the word says. You take inventory, you dig down and get that garbage out of you, right? Right? This is positive, but it's not positive thinking. (laughs) This is choosing to trust in God's word. This is faith to the extent that you will develop an expectancy that God will do exactly as he promises, even if some things take time. They won't take forever, but if they take time, it doesn't matter. This is not a passive trust or a what will be will be kind of trust. This is a deep commitment that says, Lord, I am trusting you in the middle of this impossible situation. And I know the time will come that I will not be disappointed. So I am making the choice not to allow feelings of disappointment to overtake me now. This is is you activating an expectancy in and a dependency on God's integrity. This is not mind over matter. You are not psyching yourself up, but you are waiting on God's supernatural intervention. When times come where things don't look good and you can't see a way out, then you determine and challenge yourself to trust God without reservation, because at that moment, you will win or lose the battle. This takes training, but it is thrilling. It's thrilling to see God do something that you couldn't do, it's thrilling. So make it a household phrase or a family motto. Those who trust in the Lord God will not be what? Disappointed. Disappointed. This also comes from a love walk with him. Remember, everything that we do with the Lord, you can't trust somebody you don't know. You can't trust somebody you don't love or you don't trust their love for you. And spending time with them you'll see that he loves you you'll feel that he loves you you'll know that he loves you right so i'm gonna there's a testimony i wanted to read um it's a bit wordy but i i did really feel to read it so i hope you don't mind i'm gonna just read i think it'll just be such a jet fuel in your engines honestly this is uh, how god supernaturally helped this minister and her husband Um, they wanted to build a house but they kept a journal the whole time they built this house and uh, it's amazing what God did for them. Supernatural things. But I felt to read it because I think we need to be reminded, especially if we need some dusting off or we've been waiting on some things for a while, we need to kick back into gear. And our expectancy needs to kind of go from here to just, it needs to go up. And faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the word. And so... I'm going to read this to you and I want you to hear just how specific the Lord was with this minister and her husband in the building of their home. And then I'll finish. So our husband's name is Jack. She said, Jack in 1977, no sorry, back in 1977, Jack and I felt that the Lord was leading us to build a house in the country without going into debt. Instead we were to look to him continually to supply every need. This was a brand new adventure. I think our extended families thought we had lost our minds. But by the time the project was completed, the experience had become such a training ground for us that the house itself had become like a fringe benefit. And that's what faith will do for you. The thing that you are believing for, the journey getting you there is better than the actual thing. It really is. Whether we built it or not, the truths we learned would have been worth all the work. Likewise, with so many others we've talked to, we find that the things we experience can always be a training ground to grow spiritually if we allow them to be. Only good gifts come from God, but he will take even the bad and turn it into good if we trust him. Our house was a large, full two-story with more than 3,000 square feet in the downstairs alone. And since we were doing much of the construction work ourselves, it took us three and a half years to complete it. It would not be an exaggeration to say that miracles happened at every step of the way. When the initial plumbing and the enormous cement foundation slab were completed, we considered using metal for the framework, but decided on wood when we heard that the old swift turkey processing plant had gone out of business and was auctioning off everything, including the lumber. Since Jack couldn't take off work to go to the auction, he sent my dad with a blank check to buy if the quality of the lumber was good and if he could get it for a good price. Jack was a little nervous about sending my dad with a blank check (laughs) because dad was notorious for loving auctions and he had bought some things in the past for which we still hadn't found a purpose. We hadn't heard from dad all day, so when Jack got off work that afternoon, we made a beeline for the auction ground. The auction was over, and the place was practically empty, and the only person we saw was my dad, standing in the middle of this huge lot, wiping beads of uh, perspiration off his brow. The first words out of Jack's mouth were, did you buy anything? With one big sweep of the hand, Dad replied, I bought all of this. Mounds of lumber, some stacks taller than a two-story building, were piled all over the lot. I saw a look of horror cross Jack's face. It would take weeks to haul it all to our building site, some ten miles in the country. But before he could voice that fear, Dad blurted out, the lot has to be cleared in three days or they'll bulldoze it all under. (laughs) Sure enough, several big bulldozers were parked off to the side. The quick pantry convenience store had purchased the land for a gas station, and they were on a tight schedule. I called it piles because it was not stacks of lumber that had been cleaned of its nails and neatly stacked. Every board was filled with nails and they were all thrown up on gigantic piles. Dad was already frantically pulling boards off the pile and loading them on his pickup. He had spent the maximum amount that we had allotted, plus half again as much, and the reality of what we had facing us to get the lot cleared in time was just beginning to dawn on him. The boards were so long that we couldn't even get them in the pickup without extending them way over the cab and far too many feet out the back of the bed. I could feel Jack's fear and disappointment mounting as he started to walk around those piles and pray. Talk about an impossible-looking task. The sight was mind-boggling, but we couldn't give up because all our money was tied up in that lumber. We had to salvage as much as possible. In a few moments, Jack called me over and said that God had told him to go to Santa Ana, a town 20 miles away, where he would find a harvest gold 16-foot cattle trailer with a bulldog hitch, and it would cost under 1000 I love the Holy Ghost. That is very specific. Isn't that wonderful? Dad was not happy when we took off on what he thought was a wild goose chase. But like the colt on which Christ entered Jerusalem, the trailer was there exactly as God had said it would be. It took a couple of phone calls to hunt the owner down. But he sold it to us for just $975 because he was closing that particular brand out in order to carry a much more cheaply made line. We spent every moment of, of daylight for the next three days hauling lumber, trip after trip after trip. But praise God, even though we did not have one hour to spare, we were able to clear the lot before the bulldozers started leveling, leveling the ground for the new building. For the next three months, I stood outside under the trees on our own property with two saw horses, supporting the boards as one by one I pulled nails and dropped them into a number two wash tub. I counted 122 nails in one of those boards, and I think that was pretty fair average. No wonder I was barely able to stay ahead of Jack and his partner as they started the framework on the house. On the other hand, the carpenter who helped with the framework could not quit commenting on the quality of the lumber that came out of that old turkey processing plant. Over each of our windows and patio doors, we were able to install full-sized two by 14 headers, and we had enough tongue-in-groove oak to deck the entire second floor, making it solid as a rock. By the time we were finished, we had all the lumber we needed, plus enough extra for three other people who wanted to build on extra rooms and garages. God's provision always includes an abundance left over to help others. We knew we would need our bricks fairly early in the construction process because we were using them on the inside as load-bearing walls for the upstairs. But we weren't overly concerned because three months before we started construction, we were told at the local brick plant that they needed only a week's notice to have bricks for us. We didn't think about how things can change. Now, almost a year later, it was time to put up the inside brick walls, so we scheduled the bricklayer to come the next week. Our big concern had been getting on his busy schedule, but with all worked out, we drove to the brick plant to place the brick order. Distracted by our busy schedule, we had not paid attention to all the new construction going on in the state. Since our first visit with the manager at the brickyard, there had been such a building boom that there were no bricks to be had at the local plant or anywhere else in Texas. We were told that we would be put on the waiting list, but not to expect a call for at least six months. We could have waited on the bricks for the outside of the house, but we had to have those bricks for the inside before we could get the house dried in. That kind of delay would have caused the wooden framework of the house to warp So in desperation, we asked the manager of the brick plant if we could pay a premium price to get the bricks early. The moment those words came out of his mouth, Jack knew he was wrong and wished he could have stuffed them back down his throat, but it was too late. The man very angrily let us know that he didn't take bribes or do business that way. Jack apologized and said that he didn't do business that way either. Discouragement was running so high that neither of us spoke a word on the way home. I mean, this looks, this is impossible. There's no bricks in the state. To make matters in the natural seem even worse, when we got there, we contacted a brick jobber who made phone calls to every brick company in Texas and even in the surrounding states, all to no avail. Then all of a sudden, both of us remembered the scripture that had formed the foundation for everything we'd done so far. Those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. Our own reasoning told us there were no possible answers, so it took everything we could do, and sometimes it'll take everything that you can do, okay, to choose not to be disappointed and to trust God to make a way. I'm almost done. With all the strength we could muster, we began to confess that trust out loud. The next morning after Jack's prayer time, Do you notice the the bread on the trail here? He's hearing from the Spirit. They're choosing what to say. They're spending time in prayer. They're not getting in disappointment. These are all massive. We can skip over. They're massive. That's what changes it from a disaster to a deliverance, literally. The next morning after Jack's prayer time, he felt impressed to go back to the local brick company and apologize again. That seemed strange to me, since he had apologized profusely (laughs) the day before, but if that was going to make him feel any better, so be it. Jack was met with a cold shoulder. When he first walked in, the man was mad with him, but as soon as he apologized again, the man said, I have your bricks. (laughs) Jack said that he must have stood there in shock for a full 60 seconds before he was able to utter a word. Right after we left the brick plant the day before, a church in Waco, Texas, some 150 miles away, had called. After a year, they still had their bricks on pallets, waiting for an expansion project to begin. You don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. Don't tie his hands. But now that they were finally ready to start, the committee decided that the bricks didn't match the existing building well enough. So they called the brick company to see if they could exchange them. They didn't mind paying extra, and they didn't mind the six-month wait if they could get what they wanted. During that past year, the brick company had quit producing that particular brick. So they offered them to us at last year's price if we would take them all. Sight unseen and without even knowing how many bricks we needed, they had to witness, right? We trusted that a miracle of this magnitude had to be from God. So we jumped at the offer. From the church in Waco to our doorstep, two truckloads of bricks were delivered the very next day. We didn't even have to reschedule the bricklayer. They were not only, this, I love this, they were not only the right color but they were also load-bearing bricks for supporting a second floor, something we had not even thought to ask about. We didn't have a clue how many bricks we needed for the walls, the columns, and the arches, but that was not even an issue after all the Lord had already done. However, we weren't expecting it to be such an exact count. We had less than 300 bricks left over when we completed the project. If a house had canceled, there wouldn't have been enough bricks but we had exactly enough since they came from a larger project. God not only counts the hairs on our head, he even counts the number of bricks we need. (laughs) God is not wasteful, but his supply is always ample. If Jack had not heard his urging, see, all this flows together, to go back to the brick company and apologize all over again the next day, the manager would never have thought of us. And even if he had, he didn't know our name, and probably wouldn't have wanted to do us any favors if he had, considering what Jack had said the day before, all of which is a perfect example of how God can even use our mistakes to pull us out of our own woods. Oh, I have like 15 stories there like that that make you just cry because it's so specific, it's so God. And so I want to say to you, I don't care what it looks like, I don't care what it looks like you've lost. I care, but you know what I mean. I'm trying to say this. Don't let go. God can turn it around. If you'll contend, God will make something beautiful because he promises. He says you won't be disappointed. You won't be. And if there's been disappointment from something that's happened already, let God restore it for you. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. He wants to do amazing things jaw-dropping testimonies and work behind the scenes but sometimes those things the devil will just throw you in just throw in the perfect problem and in that moment if you don't take a hold of yourself and you enter into despair and you think this is done this is a done deal because things some things look done they look unfixable and if you don't take a hold of yourself, you can lose that battle. But if you will just take those words that have been taught tonight, you know, um, the verse, 1 Peter 2, 6, and says, you know what? If I trust in you, God, without emotions cooperating, I choose. They didn't have, their emotions didn't cooperate. There's no bricks in the state. Their wood is going to warp. I mean, this is a, and the weather's going to get, I mean, this is a serious problem. The state has no bricks. What did they do? The same thing that we're going to do after tonight. We're going to make sure that we choose to trust God, that we're not going to be disappointed, and we say out of our mouths continually, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. You're going to do it for me. And if you'll do that, you will see supernatural events take place often in your life. Because not everything God does is always a rescue. He wants to bless you. He wants an abundant supply to you. It's not just about deliverance. It's about getting the supply to you that he wants, that he delights in, in getting to you. But When I asked him about the service tonight, that was the phrase that he said. That was what he said to me. He said, the people need encouragement. They need to be reminded that I'm a supernatural God. That if there's fatigue for them to come and sit in my presence, I will refresh them. Tell them not to let go. Not to let go of their faith. That The work, the heavy work is on God. Don't get fatigued in your own strength. Cast the worry off of you. Cast it off. Refuse to entertain it and give it to the Lord as many times as you need to until it's in his hands. And then, like this gentleman Jack, listen to the nudges. Listen to the bread on the trail, the light on the trail that causes you to walk into your miracles. And as you know, it's not hard. God will speak to you just like he'll speak to Jack. He will. Knowings, nudges. I don't know why. I just feel like we need to do this. And we're, listen, our spirit man is smart enough to pick it up. Yes. It's smart enough that the real loss can pick it up if we'll spend time with God. And this kind of talk is what sets the father's heart in great joy. He's anticipating that faith response. You know, that's my boy. That's my girl. Amen. They feel awful. And look what they're saying anyway. They're saying that They're going to choose to trust me. And if you will do that, the problem is not too big. If David can throw a rock out of a sling and the angels of God can embed that in the giant's head and knock him down so they could finish him off with the sword, your sword will knock him down. Your sword will knock him down until the next thing you know his head is chopped off. What does that mean? The problem's dead. It's gone. You've overcome it. You've overcome it. You're a different breed. You're a different breed. You're not the army up on the side. You speak the answer. And then you do whatever God tells you to do. And you put the work in his hands. And he'll tell you whatever. If you have something to do in it, to participate in it specifically, the Lord will tell you. Don't ignore all those uh, leadings. Because they're wonderful and they're very supernatural even though sometimes they're not that spectacular. Well, Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. I believe we're encouraged tonight, Father. I believe we choose to trust you. We will not be disappointed. Lord, we will stand in your presence declaring victory over things, Lord, that have withstood us or that have disappointed us. But Lord, we're not disappointed in you. And because we're not disappointed in you, because we don't allow that, we thank you, Father, that you're going to change the circumstances, all the miracles that will come, Oh, the miracles, the joy of patience and faith, Lord God. We're so grateful that we're not in this walk alone. And Lord, where there's been mistakes or loss, we put our trust in you, God. We're we're trusting you to actually make it up to us, God. Because you love us and we're your children and we we need you. We need you. We need you. And all that you have for us. We do, Lord. And we worship you tonight. We're reminded of how good you are. How wonderful. We thank you for all that you've done. But there's much ahead, Lord. And we're going to see it through with you. And we praise you. Jesus' mighty name.